0: Hey everybody, this is Tommy Miller. I'm the senior pastor at Legacy Church. We're really excited that you decided to join our podcast this morning. Our intention is to give you the information and the resources that you need to bring heaven to earth by walking in the fullness of your identity and your destiny. Enjoy the sermon, enjoy your day, be blessed and do what Jesus did. Good morning. You guys ready? Can you tune that out? Check 1, check 2. Fantastic. So we're going to we're in week 3. Mm. I asked them to make me sound like Morgan Freeman. This is what we got. Check 1, check 2. All right. Will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much for these incredible human beings. Thank you that New Philadelphia is the most significant city on earth. I thank you that this place is an open heaven. Nobody can leave here the way they came in. Anxiety, depression, destruction, death, diabetes. It has to die. and has to leave. These people are destined for greatness. You have plans to prosper them and not harm them. They are revelatory people. They hear your voice and they follow you. Father, I'm asking right now that this continually grow in revelation, in identity, and destiny. You have your way today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. All right. I'm going to lay some foundational things before we jump in. The, the title of today's message is The Co-Creative Posture, okay? Believe it or not, it wasn't planned, but it is a perfect, perfect message to kick off our 21-day uh, Revelator Challenge. How many of you are in that already? Yeah. It's it's absolutely remarkable and what I want to do I want you to keep like an actual quantifiable track Of what's happening in your life during the 21 day challenge because we've already had people that have kind of moved into this identity And creative focus and they're healing themselves. I know that sounds wild, but we've had people healed from anxiety We've had people healed from diabetes And it's and it's simply because they're partnering with truth They're partnering with truth They've tried everything. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. Like she gave all of her money to doctors, then she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was gone, right? That's how it works. So the title of today's message is The Co-Creative Posture. And it just, it's simply meant to affirm the function of humanity on earth. And one of the things that religion has stolen from you, it steals your identity and then it steals your destiny because you can only become who you think you are. Right? You can only become who you think you are. The book of Proverbs says, As a man thinks, so he is. If you've lived a life of negativity, if you've lived a life of, of death, pain, and destruction, those things take a toll on your identity, and then your behaviors follow suit. You will never step into everything that God has planned for you if you don't think highly of yourself. As a matter of fact, let's just lay some super foundational things. In the book of Genesis... God said that Adam and Eve were very good, and then he told them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, right? If God tells you to do something, it's a guarantee that he has already supplied the ability to make it happen. Yet, Adam and Eve failed to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and subdue it. They did not accomplish their destiny because something foundational took place in Genesis chapter 2. It was this. If God says that you're very good... And then something tells you that you have to do something to be very good. Are you very good anymore? No, at least you don't think so. Right? So the introduction of religion was not the law of Moses. It was Genesis chapter 2. You have to follow a rule to become like this guy rather than believing that you're already like this guy and then your behaviors will follow suit. So if you're striving to become something that you already are, your striving will end up in endless cycles of dissatisfaction. You'll never make it. If religion has taught us anything, it's that you will never measure up. The law came to condemn and convict. That's what it says, right? So the only way to function out of who you actually are supposed to be, to walk out the destiny that you're supposed to walk out, is to rest in identity that he has proclaimed, not the one that you've witnessed, right? Each one of you became holy the moment you were born. Each one of you were holy as he is holy before the foundation of the world. So we've spent almost 14 weeks laying this foundation, okay? Who you believe he is becomes who you believe you are. And who you believe you are determines the destiny that you actually accomplish. Theology, theosis, theocracy. You with me? So it's wildly important that you understand something very, very special about this Bible. Is that it's perfect. When you read it and rightly divide the word of truth. Okay? The Bible says that Jesus is the express image of the Father. Jesus is perfect theology. The number one thing that Jesus got in trouble for saying was that he and the Father are one. Okay? As a matter of fact, Jesus only said he only did what he saw the Father doing. And here's where today's sermon comes from. He only said what he heard the Father saying. Okay? Okay? that should cause you to simply revisit how you understand this book. Because there are instances of of God saying some things and committing some atrocities that Jesus would never find himself involved with. Right? So you are now responsible to read the Old Covenant through the lens of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was resurrected, he got onto the road to, of, to Emmaus, and he reasoned with them all of the things concerning himself in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? So you can't enter the Old Testament without using Jesus as your interpretive lens. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay. So if Jesus is the, the, the fullness of God, right? That's what Colossians calls him. He has declared him. If Jesus is the express image of the Father, then you look into Jesus as a mirror to see yourself. And it's not by works, it's not because of what you've done, it's literally the rock from which you were hewn. That's what Deuteronomy says. So you were in him before the foundation of the world. If you have this giant marble block and you take a, a hammer and chisel to it and you knock a chip off the block, what's the chip made out of? It's marble, right? It's the same thing that the block was made of. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God and you were in that word before you were ever human. You were like him before you ever weren't. Your most natural state, your rested state is exactly as he is. First John chapter 4 says, as he is for you in this world, right? So all of your striving, all of your regrets, all of your past actions, all of your current thoughts, all of those things, the Bible says, let God be true and every man be a liar. Yep. Anything that was ever said about you by anyone else or even yourself that isn't consistent with what Christ says about you is a lie. They don't even allow it to be attributed to your nature. Yep. So you don't have to work harder to start over. You just have to rest in what's already true. Okay? So here's the deal. Jesus came to answer questions that Job couldn't. Jesus came to answer questions that Job could not. If you line Jesus and Job up on a stage and go, has the same conversation with the two of them that he had in the book of Job that started like this. Gird yourself and answer me like a man. Where were you when I framed the world? Okay, what happens if you ask Job and Jesus? Job says, I got no clue, right? I'm gonna make a bunch of stuff up. I'm gonna waste about four pages of your Bible, but it's not gonna be right. He ends by saying, I don't know. Right? But Jesus says, I was in the Father before the foundation of the world. So if he's a creator, I'm a creator too. Right? The Bible literally says that you should pray this way: our Father that's in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if if that question that God asked Job was answered accurately by Jesus, then Jesus' answer should be the answer that you and I ascribe to. Where were you when I framed the world? Well, I was clearly in you while you were creating. So that gives me the ability, as a matter of fact, it gives me the responsibility to be creative. Yep. And let's make this super simple. If you understand the co-creative posture of humanity, then you will realize that the same creation that God was engaged in, you are now engaged in every day. Okay, Can I get deep for a second? Okay. Hebrews chapter 11 I almost wish I had a whiteboard says, "Now faith is the evidence of things unseen and the substance of things hoped for." As a matter of fact, let's just go to Hebrews 11. Go to verse three. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible, okay? I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some details here. It might take you a moment to track with. The worlds were framed by the word of God, okay? This word, word, is a lowercase w, and it is the Greek word "rema," which means it is the spoken word of God. Follow me? When God desires to create, he rhemas. Okay? That is his one and only method of creation. Now, for you to understand how this process works, then you have to know that there are two Greek words that we translate, that we translate to the word, word. One is a lowercase w, one is an uppercase w. Rhema is the spoken word of God. When it refers to Jesus the person, it is the logos word of God, which is a capital word. It's a person, it's he himself, right? So this is where it gets strange. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, Logos, big one, right? And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word, Logos, the, the guy, became flesh and dwelt among us. And without him, nothing was made that was made. All things were made by him, through him, for him, okay? So the, the, the instruction, I guess, or the, the example, the method is this simple. God reaches into the Logos. He uses the Rhema and he creates. Everything that you see is made from something invisible. Right? Everything that you see is made from something invisible. So you as a co-creator have to be extremely aware That your worlds are framed by Rhema. If you think they're framed by Logos, then you'll think it's Jesus' job to frame your world, and it's not. It's your Rhema. You are a co creative participant. So if you reach into the individual, excuse me, the invisible, and you, Rhema, you speak negativity, complaining, things against yourself, things against your family, there's a good chance that you can trace the world you're living in now to the one that you created with your words in the last five or six years. Okay? One of the things that we have to understand, like you are cosmic people. You are divine human beings. You are literally chipped off the block of divinity. The Bible would call you the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. That's Ephesians 5. I didn't make it up. So you have to recognize that everything you do has a relational implication, a corporate implication, a regional implication, and a cosmic implication. Okay? If you haven't noticed, Uh, the, the, The theology that we ascribe to in the West is changing. It's transitioning. And it's transitioning. It's making our relationships healthier. It's making our communities healthier. It's making our regions healthier. But there are literally neuroscientists right now that are studying the human genome. And they're seeing things that cause death and decay. Switch off. Turn off with no explanation. Things where people used to start aging at 45. Now those things aren't turning off till 60 or 70. People look like 45-year-olds at 60 years old now, and they can't figure it out. Aubrey de Bray says, the people that will live a 1,000 years are alive right now. They can't figure it out. I can. Romans chapter 8 says, all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When you realize that every time you speak, you have a cosmic implication, that creation is literally responding to the voice of sons, then you'll take what you say way more seriously. God's method of creation. We need to understand his vastness sometimes. We think God lives in a kingdom. We think God lives in time. We think God lives in space. But in reality, God is the thing that overshadows all of those things. Time, kingdom, and space are in him, right? How do we know? Because he reached into himself, the Logos. He partnered the Logos with the Rhema, and then he saw. He saw that it was good. Right? Do you see? You partner with the Logos, with the Rhema, and then you see. The downside of this is that you can reach into anything invisible and partner it with the authority and the dominion of humanity, and you get what you say. Yep. Do you ever notice? Ah, I hate to say this. I'm calling some of y'all out. Some of you are always sick. Because you say you're always sick. You never know what came first, the chicken or the egg. You know? But sometimes you fall prey to patterns. Right? You might have started off okay. Then you just hit a few too many bumps. And then those bumps caused you to enter into this complaining cycle. And then this complaining cycle actually yielded more of the very thing that you never wanted. Right? Sometimes it's not up to you. Sometimes you just get into your situation by chance. Sometimes you got into a situation that you were supposed to govern, and it'd end up governing you, and then you just end up in this loop. Mm -hmm. Yep. It sucks because I complain. I complain because it sucks. (laughs) Yep. Get it? You know what I'm saying? Okay. So there's so much content and so much understanding. Like I I want you to see the, the absolute trust that God places in his creation. Even in Genesis, the language that he uses, he said, let us, you know, the the Trinitarian Godhead, make them in our image and then let them have dominion. Right? If I say let us order pizza and let them eat it, I'm starving. Do you get it? Like he's very intentional about the language that he uses. He's not, he, he never intended after he sat down to have to take the reins back from humans because humanity created an image of God, creates what God creates. They produce what God produces. So until you take full responsibility for your time and your region and know that the things that you're creating are actually standing the test of time. That's why your theology matters. If you believe that we're going to hell in a handbasket, you might take us to hell in a handbasket by faith. Yep, thanks a million. I, I almost named a few denominations, but I think I'll refrain. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our God. That's his intention. So if you think it's going downhill because of what you're seeing on the news, what you're seeing on the news is actually a reflection of how the church sees themselves. Get it? Okay. Let me show you how important this is. And we teach this frequently because it's one of the most important things. For you to understand this Bible, you need to understand how to rightly divide it. Right? So Moses goes up the mountain in Exodus 19. Exodus 19. God gives him the law. Moses comes back down off the mountain. He's wearing a veil because nobody wants to look at him. Okay, If you're not responsible in, in checking this book out, you won't realize that in Exodus 11 and Exodus 13, God spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man talks to his friend. Okay, So you thinking that God is too holy to look at you is stupid. Yep, It's not right. So he spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man talks to his friend, and then they come into this, this, this legalism, this bondage through the law, where now the thoughts and the opinions of the law are what's on Moses' face. So previously, he, he met God face to face, came back down, talked to the Israelites, no issue. But if it teaches you anything, that you become who you think God is. So if you believe that God is vindictive, and you believe that he has a bloodlust, and you believe that he hates people, then guess what you turn into? A Baptist. Oh, shoot! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There aren't any real ones left. They've they've all strayed. Okay. You turn into a legalistic son of a gun, right? They carry who they think God is. But then you have Jesus. He has the same encounter. Jesus Christ, the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, meets God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And his, not just his face, his entire body, even his clothes start glowing. And then he comes down off the mountain and he gets a completely different response. Cities start emptying out. They start running to Jesus because they recognize the voice of the Father, not the voice of this legalistic law. The voice of the Father is, these are my beloved sons. In them I'm well pleased, right? Bring them to me. So it says the cities emptied out and they came and he healed all who were sick. Do you know what happened when Moses came down off the mountain? 3,000 people died. Just because the law existed, 3,000 people get slaughtered with a sword. Get it? Okay. So you become the, who you believe God is. If you think he's vindictive, then you'll become vindictive. If you think he's judgmental, you'll become judgmental. Now, here's the, the, the bad thing. <clears throat> this. I want you to start reading the Bible... As, as naturally consequential, okay? Not as God instituting punishments. That's the framework that he said. If, if you eat of that tree, you're gonna die, right? It's like telling your kid, if you stick the fork in the light socket, he didn't say, I'll kill you, right? He said, you're in trouble. It'll hurt you, right? So, the natural consequence of judgment is that you judge yourself with the same measure, Judge not lest you be judged, right? He didn't say he was going to judge you. He said, if that's who you think he is, then that's who you'll strive to become. So if you can't find contentment in anyone you see, I already know how you feel about yourself. It's never enough. You never measure up. You're not a good enough wife. You're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough parent. You're not a good enough employee, whatever it is. If you believe that he's judgmental, you'll become judgmental, but the the source of your judgment of other people is the standard that you hold yourself to. And if you can't match or meet your own standard, how do you expect anyone else to? You're a miserable person that makes people miserable. Yep, Get it? Performance-based relationships never work. They never work. Okay. Good so far? Okay. So... Two things. One is Psalm chapter 110. No, 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 no. That's not where I want to go. Psalm 116, 15. Don't even go there. I just want to mention it to you. It says, the heavens, yes, even the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given into the hands of men. He has given into the hands of men. So that that delegation language that he used in Genesis is the language that he continues to use. And what you might not realize is for 4,000 years of human history, God was not in control. Okay, he was in charge, he was not in control. Okay, if God were in control, you could never trust him again. If God were in control, you could never trust him again. Why? If I say, let me make this church in my image, and then let Mel have dominion, and then I step in and micromanage Mel every time she's doing something wrong, then my word of letting her have dominion means nothing. Right? Right? So God turns over dominion to humanity in Genesis, and he refuses to take it back. So for 4,000 years, there's a bunch of human beings that see a fallen God and see a separated people, and all of creation responded to the separation that humanity believed that they were in. So the first thing that Jesus comes to restore is that which was lost, right? And you you have to ask questions. Like, sometimes the third question you ask is the best. Like, What did he come to seek and save? That which was lost. Well, it was lost. People were lost, okay? Good start. What else was lost? Why were people lost? Well, because the co-regents were lost. The found people were now lost. Okay, why were the found people lost? Because the image of God was lost. That's where you start. Jesus came to restore that which was lost. Right? We saw God as vindictive, judgmental, and bloodlustful. And then Jesus came to prove to you that God doesn't throw stones. Get it? So this, this woman is literally thrown at his feet, caught in adultery, and says, Moses says, I hope you're catching this language, Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? He says that you should be judged by the system that you're in. Check this out. They're standing there in proximity to the creator of the universe. And he says, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. They all dropped their rocks and left. Jesus looks at her and says, where are your accusers? She said, no one's here to accuse me. He said, I don't accuse you either. Listen, I judge no one. Okay, Here's what's really cool about that. This is a perfect picture of who you believe in God is determines who you think you are. There's a woman caught in adultery, and there's Jewish leaders standing there. The Jewish leaders choose to walk away from the creator of the universe. He did not judge them. I judge no one. They were judged by who they thought he was, so they separated themselves. Get it? And the woman caught in adultery became his friend. Yep. It's not what you accomplish. who you believe he is. Okay. You almost ready? All right. So there's a word. There's a word in the Bible that's used frequently. I, I don't like it because it kind of minimizes. It makes it sound like this is a work. Okay, let's start here, though. The Bible says that out of the mouth your heart speaks. Okay, So you would be doing yourself a disservice if you simply change the words that you're saying. Okay, that's behavior modification. Behavior modification is good. It's better than not, but it's always temporary. Okay? It's always temporary. So if you understand how the Bible defines heart, it's the Greek word psyche, and it's really the things you think, the things that you feel, and the things that you do. Okay? The things you think, the things you feel, and the things you do determine the things that you say. Right? That's what that passage means. Out of the mouth, your heart speaks. So now you have to be in control of what's governing your soul. Okay? Your governance can either be transcendent or a feedback loop. Okay? Either God, who he is, what you see him as, how you behold him determines what you think how you behold him determines what you feel how you deter- excuse me how you behold him determines what you do and then out of that your mouth speaks or you can be completely governed by the things that you see if you're governed by the things that you see you see and you already have discovered that your rama frames your world then if you're just saying what you see you're empowering what you see to enhance right Somewhere the cycle has to break. The cycle breaks when you're no longer governed by what you see, but you govern what you see by what you say. Right? This is Genesis 1. He said he saw the the earth and it was dark and without form. And what did he want? Light and structure. So instead of going, it's so dark, it's not even pretty. He never said what he saw, but he did see what he said. Get it? He didn't have to complain about what was in front of his eyes. He changed what was in front of his eyes by understanding he's the creator. He doesn't have to settle for sensual feedback. He can speak and change things. You get it? Do you know what's going to happen when 150 people spend 21 days speaking life in this county? And write it down and hold yourself accountable. You're not a baby, okay? Like, I'm, I'm calling some of y'all that just think you're naturally negative, just quit. Grow up. Spend 21 days doing good for something other than yourself, Okay? create something for your family. Create something for your local church. Create something for the cosmos. You will see quantifiable evidence of your decision to participate with heaven on earth. Cool? All right, I'm almost done. I told you, I, didn't, I don't like this word complaining because it sounds, it sounds less divine or less cosmic than it is, but do you realize that complaining kept a lot of people from their promises? There was an entire generation of Israelites that, that were just simply called to go into a promised land, the man, land flowing with milk and honey. They got there. God says, go in, kill the giants, take it over. And they got turned back around to go wander the, the, the wilderness again. Do you know why? They complained. It was that simple. They lost the promise because they said what they saw instead of knowing that they would see what he said. They lost the promise because they said what they saw instead of knowing that they could see what he said. Get it? Okay. Here are one, two, three, four reasons that complaining will steal your destiny. Ready? Number one, it promotes darkness rather than replacing it. It promotes it rather than replacing it. Philippians 2.14. You don't have to turn to these. I'm going to try to get through them quick. says, do all things without complaining. (laughs) Right? Sounds pretty. (laughs) Yep. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you see the correlation? You shine if you don't complain. Yep. You shine if you don't complain. These are simple things. Simple things. I watched a TED talk yesterday. I'll put it. I'll put it on my Facebook. It was uh, the oh man, what was it called? The cardinal sins of of speaking, and it wasn't about public speaking. It was about how to be heard as a human. And this guy. How many of you ever heard or have ever thought when you're in a conversation like everybody talks over you? Yep. Okay. So he gives seven reasons why that might be. The human psyche is trained to turn off negativity. If you're drama-filled and negative-focused, you lose credibility without anyone deciding that you do. People that are positive, solutions-focused people have their voices heard. You can be sitting around the table at the coffee shop and you wanna tell a story, but if you've been a negative person leading up to that, people have already trained themselves to tune you out. Yep, the human psyche is trained to protect itself from you. <laughs> I know, right? Even in politics, even in politics. Um, I, too many li- people listen to us for us to be as funny as we used to be. <laughs> Gosh. People vote for solutions, right. right? They don't vote for the person that can point out the most problems. It takes zero talent to point out problems. And the human brain, the human brain is literally trained to silence your frequency when you're a negative person. So ask yourself if you're the voice at the table that nobody hears, maybe there's a reason. Yep. So you shine in dark places when you don't complain or dispute. Good? Number two. When you understand, number two is it empowers destruction. When you understand your co-creative posture, then you'll realize that sometimes what you see is empowered by what you've said, right? Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 10.10. 10. It says, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 shows you That them losing everything by complaining is an example that you wouldn't lose everything by complaining, also. Get it? You're about to start 21 days of no complaining, gossip, or negativity. Do it. You'll thank me in 21 days, I promise. Number three I like this one it's deliberate disobedience. Psalm 106 says they complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Heeding the voice of the Lord means you don't complain. Number four, it's a manifestation of the old you that Jesus paid to take care of. Jude 1, 16 through 19. This one I might spend two or three minutes on. I won't just buzz through it because it's important. It says these are grumblers, complainers. They walk according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, he's making a distinction, right? But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last times that would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. Ready? This is, this is the part you should hone in on. These are sensual persons who cause division. Okay, do you know what a sensual person is? It just means they're governed by the things that they can touch, taste, see, and smell. In the Bible, the word sensual doesn't carry the same kind of definition that it does for most people. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Sensual just means that you're governed by your senses. And if you're governed by your senses, you will be divisive. If you're governed by your senses, you will be a grumbler. If you're governed by your senses, you will be a complainer. Right? And if you are a grumbler and a complainer and divisive, you will walk in the world that you create. Get it? Is this simple? Okay. Did I say there were four? Ah. Did, was that four? All right, I'm done. <laughs> Not all the way. Not all the way. Go to James chapter 3. This is where we'll finish. Verse 1. You guys okay? Okay. Did you learn something today? Okay. Let me give you some insight before we jump into James 3. The Bible says that you can only bear fruit from a message that you understand. Okay? And that doesn't mean that intellectually you get it. What understand means is you allow it to govern you. So now that you you know that you are co-creative, now that you know that God has irresponsibly, recklessly, Given your mouth dominion to shape worlds on earth, now that you know that, then you get to use that to create things for your family. You get to use that to change things cosmically, you get to use that to change things in your community, and you get to use that to change things relationally. Right? If you're having a relational issue, what if your relational issue is simply that you're a sensual person? Whoops. Yep. If you if you have been a sensual person previously and you're simply judging everything by what you see, you realize you can change what you see by what you say? Yep. Can I tell you how we changed our marriage? We determined to find out what God said about the other person. And then we determined to never allow the performance that we saw to change what we said. And we became who each other believed that we were. I became a better man. I became a good husband. I became the king of my home. And she became absolute royalty. You can tell when she walks in a room that we have prophetically foretold of who our spouse would become by completely straying from what we saw and allowing what he said to become more real about their identity than what we saw in each other. Good? All right, James chapter 3. Here's the strange things about James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is about selecting teachers, okay? So I want you to understand that there are four interpretations to every scripture in your Bible, and it doesn't make it wrong. It's just layers of depth, okay? So there's something that you can learn individually about this, and then there's something that we can learn corporately about this. So let's go through this individually first. Brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things, but if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horse's mouth that they may, may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Look at also ships. They're so large and driven, driven by fierce winds, and they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member that boasts great things. So do you understand what this is saying? If you can control this, you can control anything. Yep. If you can control this, you can control anything. It's saying it doesn't matter about the strength of the horse. It doesn't matter about the direction or the the magnitude of the wind. It matters what the bit's doing, and it matters where the rudder's pointed. So if something comes to blow you off course, you can actually use this to make sure that you stay on. The wind can actually work in your favor. The fierce wind that desired to knock you off course becomes the fierce wind that actually blows you to your destiny because you use this to get there. Does it make sense? It doesn't say that your tongue will make the wind go away. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't say that your tongue would make the horse not real. You're going to be riding somewhere, and it's going to blow you there, right? But what you say during the course of this determines where you end up. Right? Now, let me just sprinkle this in there. This is about selecting teachers. If you have any influence in this body in any way, stand up. Okay. We always use this terminology. If it's in the pulpit, it's in the pews. James is saying, Let not many of you become teachers. Let not many of you become teachers because you receive stricter judgment. What what that actually means is you have more authority, right? Let not many of you become teachers because they have more authority, but if they can handle this, they can change this. That's what it's saying, okay? He's able to bridle the whole body. So if you have complainy and grumbly teachers, you have complainy and grumbly people, okay? You may be seated. Thank you. James 3 is not directly about you personally. James 3 is about the reestablishment of a church that was scattered. And James is telling them that if you're going to make somebody a teacher, they have to know how to bridle their tongue. Because if they can bridle their tongue, the entire body will benefit. Get it? Is it good? Okay, listen. I know it's later than usual by two minutes. How'd that happen? Okay. Um, this, this is all I want to do, okay? <clears throat> it's Proverbs 4 that says that out of your mouth, your heart speaks. You would be doing yourself a disservice if you only changed your words. You have to be intentional about what's governing you, okay? The, the reality is anything that can happen will happen. How about this? Anything that can happen is happening. And you can choose to focus on something that you can complain about, or you can choose to focus on something you can be grateful for. Not only that, you can understand that if you're choosing to focus on something that you could complain about, you could be changing it instead. Okay? It's not about avoiding, it's about rightly seeing it. Okay? So if there's something that needs changing, Those things, trials come to the door of sons to be put under the feet of the body. They come to you for their own demise, not so they can kill you. Okay? Okay. We're about to step into a 21-day challenge. It doesn't cost anything, by the way. Um, It's just something that we love to do together, and it's a really cool way for our local family to meet our international family um, and interact with some amazing people that call Legacy their home that have never been here. So this is what I'd like to do. Would you guys stand with me? So one of the questions that we get pretty frequently is people are so naturally minded. My wife just reminded me of this. People are so naturally minded that they think they're lying when they refuse to partner with what they see because the natural reality has become their reality, right? So are you telling me to lie? Like if my marriage is a mess, are you telling me to to lie? If my kids are a mess, are you telling me to lie? No. There There is a... A pattern for you to pull from it's it's the Logos it's Christ himself and he is the truth right so if you partner the Logos with your Rhema then your situation has to bow you're not lying when you refuse to partner with natural realities you're actually lying when you partner with them, because it's not truth even if it's a fact okay So I'm not asking you to lie for the next 21 days. I'm asking you to partner with heaven in everything. Yep, on earth as it is in heaven. Think about this. They asked Jesus in Matthew 6, how should we pray? That's what he told them. On earth as it is in heaven. Let this situation be overcome and governed by what I know is true of Jesus Christ resurrected. Amen? Okay. So this is what I'd like to do. I just, this is like a commissioning, okay? And, and it's kind of cheap for us to say that we're gonna do this for 21 days like it's a diet change. This needs to be something that we wear, something that becomes heavily, heavily real to us, that we can shift the cosmos by being prophetic people, that we can reach into the reality of Christ and authorize his establishment on earth. That's his model. He doesn't di- desire to do anything apart from you. He desires to co-labor with you. And he would do that by bringing you into union with himself so that you guys can co-create this gorgeous, gorgeous reality together. Amen? Okay. You've said amen twice, and neither one of them were the last one. <laughs> Listen, just do something right now. If, if you want to step into this and be, I don't want to say accountable. That makes it sound like it's worse. works. But if you want to understand this word, that you are a co-creative person, just allow me to pray over you right now that we're making the agreement over the next 21 days that we're changing the, the the momentum of this rudder. We're recognizing that there's a bit that you and I can use to completely change the course of history. And we're committing to our responsibility in it. So If that's you, just put your hands out and I'll pray for you this morning. Father, thank you so much for this remarkable group of people again. We ask right now that our co-creative nature be brought to the forefront. Father, I ask that you would give them immediate confirmation, immediate confirmation of this word. They would say things about their finances, and it would happen immediately. They would say things about their health, and it would happen immediately. They would say things about their relationships, and they would see the manifestation of it right away, Father, if there's anyone in here that's of little faith, give them more manifestation, Help their faith by showing them how important they are in the course of history. So, Father, we collectively enter in to what you've established for our destinies and for our identities. And that's to be co-creative producers of the kingdom of God on earth. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name and everybody's name. Amen. Thank you guys so much.